0: Welcome to the ED Jam. Hey ED Jam listeners, this episode's a little bit different. Now, you've got to make sure you're in the right headspace for this because we're talking about trauma. So I always recommend before you listen to make sure it's the right time for you. Now, in this episode, we're talking about trauma from three separate perspectives, but talking about the one person which is Pat. The first part of this story, we're going to be hearing from Erwin, who is a treating paramedic with a lot of years of experience. When he gets out of the car to treat Pat, he knows him, they're already friends. Now we're going to hear about what he goes through as he's treating his friend. The thoughts, the processes, how his brain basically turns to mush. That's really important for us to hear that. sometimes as clinicians when we treat people, they can be the same age as our kids. They can have the same name as our parents. Or they can even be related to us in some sort of way, whether friends or family. So it's important for us to hear this. The second perspective we're going to hear about is from the perspective of a loved one, from Geraldine, Pat's wife. We're going to hear about her suffering, her determination and her motivation and willingness to overcome and to remain positive despite what other people are saying. We're also going to hear about how hardworking she was and how willing she was to put other people before herself. And if there's people listening out there that have been through trauma or been the loved one who've had someone else suffer in their family, I think people will be able to relate to this. And the last one is hearing from Pat himself, what he remembers from the events. We're gonna hear about memory loss. We're gonna hear about the inner struggle that Pat made to make one small step for himself and one even smaller step for his family, just bit by bit. And that each small step he made became the ability for him to walk back home. Now walking home doesn't mean when he gets back home that everything's okay. We're going to hear about trauma. Sometimes things don't always go back to the way they were. From the body, from the mind, from all those types of things. So it's really important um, that we listen with those sort of avenues in mind. And remember that we can learn something every time we do a new case. Um, I say to anyone listening that there are services out there like Beyond Blue. You've got your colleagues to talk to. Always chat to people around you. Um, if you are struggling or need to talk about it. Sometimes, as clinicians as well, we're expected to be the best and to know everything. And when we have these jobs where they don't go as planned, we really need to be talking them just as much about talking about the jobs that we do really well. Okay? Um, so, yeah, let's crack into the episode. It is a little different, but I hope you can tune in and I hope you enjoy it. When you're a paramedic um, in the area at the time, uh, and you get a, a call through dispatch, I imagine. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, it's... Um... We were
1: we were in on the the highway in Nara um, CBD at the time that the call came in and um, and it just came over the air as normal. We were my partner and I were in the vehicle, mobile. So um, yeah, we get the call, and to be perfectly honest, it doesn't spark a massive degree of interest at the yep. time. Like obviously, it was urgent and it was a trauma, so you know it does it does definitely motivate you a little bit more, but you know it was we do this stuff all the time yeah. so you know what the heck you know yeah. um, I'm working with a guy that I have a really long standing really good working relationship with so I just envisage it's just going to be a job as normal you know yeah. like it, it was no big deal probably a brief discussion over hey when we get there I'll do this you do this and yeah. a bit of roll and then the rest will just will just make up as we go along like normal depending on what we find but yeah, yeah. it was That not to be anything but that okay talk me through that well we arrived on scene um, and the first thing I remember is getting out of the vehicle and um, and recognizing one or two people who were riding in the group colleagues of of Pat's and people around the bike shop and um, asking one of the ladies there oh yeah so who is it and they Mm. said oh it's Pat and kind of took me a bit by surprise at first you know Mm. I I would never have visited seeing Pat in an accident you know he's a cyclist a good cyclist you know like people good cyclists don't make those kind of mistakes so to speak Mm. but but it really it really dawned on me that I was standing over this broken human being Mm. and I still even though I knew it was Pat I didn't recognise him Mm. I couldn't recognise him but he was there was blood there was you know there was obvious trauma and yeah, even even standing right next to someone that I've known for a while, I yeah, it was really, really hard to recognise mm. the bloke I'm sitting next to yeah. now. So yeah, I found it it kind of started messing with my head from that point of view. Yeah. Um and look the job itself probably wasn't my finest clinical moment. In what but, way? Well, I found it really, really hard to do the basics. Um muscle memory kicks in and you you do blood pressures and you, yeah. you know, you ask for things, but the, the dots don't really line up. Um, yeah. Normally what you would take for granted is just being quite simple, <clears throat> felt difficult and complicated. And, and um, so, you know, you, you can take the set of obs, but it, it messes with your brain trying to put those together and yeah. tell you a picture of what's happening. And Pat was conscious at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just remember him looking at me and all he was saying is my back, my back, my back. Okay. my back every question i asked was my back oh my back and then <clears throat> sorry and then um and then throughout the course of the job he, he eventually lost consciousness and um yeah it was it was to me looking back at it as a reflection now i think i learned so much out of that job mm. in terms of why we work as a group of two you know my partner who had no connection to pat he was he became that logical rational person and i just became the guy that was trying to put the pieces together um but i couldn't get out of my brain all these other side bits like you know i wanted to know who was at fault in the accident which doesn't really have any clinical bearing at all on pat but you know found myself really getting frustrated that you know, this this driver must have done something wrong to knock my mate down and what am I gonna tell his wife and, and things like that. Things that really didn't you know, weren't the treatment priorities obviously at the time, mm-hmm. but because of my relationship with Pat, I just all of a sudden they creep into the back of your mind. They really do um, affect how much brain power you've still you've got left to do your most basic job. Yeah,
0: and you talked about this over the phone with me, about your brain going to marsh almost You know, you're a well-trained paramedic who's worked on crazy jobs. Um, And then you get to one that you go, well, this is trauma. I know my algorithm, my trauma Mm -hmm. algorithm pretty well. And you get to it and then something just clicks and things don't go as smooth.
1: Absolutely. I relied heavily on my partner that day. I remember asking him and we talk about it still. It's it's a well-known job around our kitchen table um, about how I just found myself going back to him saying, what have I forgotten? What have I missed? Mm. And, you know, he just reaffirmed to me, no, you know, you, you're ticking the boxes, mate. You're doing, yep. it, you're doing it okay. But to me, I just felt like there was something missing all the time. I just couldn't get in my flow, get in my rhythm. Yep. Um, you know, there was an aircraft coming and, you know, I think originally it was going to the hospital tarmac and I'm saying, he's not going to make it. He's not going to make it. And And it was almost that panic that, you know, we we learn over a great deal of time that we never run anywhere, we never panic, we always stay cool it, yeah. when and it's I liken it to parents doing jobs with children, you know, it's one thing when it's someone else's but completely different when it's your own. You know, yeah. that emotional connection really does um, affect your, your decision making abilities and um, I said I, I still refer to Pat's job as a good mix of clinical understanding teamwork and a damn sight amount of luck you know yeah. it was um, and if it, yeah with probably without a little bit of luck and that great teamwork maybe with a different partner the outcome could have been really different because as I said for me personally it felt like I really really had a hard time mm. getting my head around that kind of emotional control
0: yeah and you mentioned um, to me as well on the phone that you know they were putting a chest strain in. and normally you're the first you know you want to jump up this is a clinical scenario as clinicians we love to do clinical things you know I, I love it you can push me out of the way i want to get in there and see yeah but you almost were you know stepping back from that
1: oh absolutely i i did step back in fact i uh, the two guys that got off the helicopter that mm. day the paramedic and the doctor are. Uh, to me like the dream team I I never see them on the same aircraft and I know they've moved into training spaces more so than operational and these guys get off the aircraft and that was probably the first time I thought he's got a chance here you know these guys Mm. are amazing and um but I didn't want to be a part of it you know uh, when they they said we're going to put a tube in you know obviously with breath sounds being what they were we're going to put a tube in this left side doesn't sound particularly great and I was like yep see ya I'm over here, you know, mm. and, and it was my operational commander on scene that said, these guys can't do it themselves. They need you here. You need to hold this sheet. You need to do And I, no, can you find someone else to do that? Mm. I, no, we need you here. You need to get your head in the space and you need to be here. But yeah, for me, I didn't want to see my mate like that yeah. and I didn't want to see him... Yeah, I didn't want to see the side of his chest cut open with a pair of scissors, you yeah. know, and and tubes being stuck in and blood coming out of there. Like to me, that was that was just too yeah too traumatic, you yeah. know. Um, but again, as I said, I did have I identified who that paramedic and doctor were, and I did mm. have full faith that these guys would be able to achieve, you know, what they said they were going to achieve. But yeah, I tell you what, it was it took a fair bit of co- fair bit of coaxing to put me next to that bed.
0: Mm. And it's crazy because as clinicians, we want to think that we're, you know, brave enough or that we've got the gear to to handle any situation. But there are situations that come out there that we're not prepared for sometimes Mm -hmm. and we don't have everything put together. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what makes us human as people.
1: Absolutely. And yeah, I've found myself very clinical and robotic on jobs, you know, Mm and I can separate the emotion from what needs to be done and, you know, and... I think as clinicians, we tend to go to that space because that's where we work best, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, having that completely turned on its head and physically being unable to, to control that myself. And that's probably, when I say I learned a lot out of this job, that's probably the one thing I took away most was, okay, sometimes you're not going to be in control. What are you going to do to wrestle it back? Because on that job, it was nearly impossible. Mm.
0: Listening to Erwin speak made me realise there are those jobs out there that sometimes our brain does turn to mush. And I think they're really helpful that we can use these cases to teach people that we don't know everything and that there's times when we do rely heavily on the person we're working with and that's okay. I think it's important to realize there are those jobs that affect us and we should be mindful of those jobs and tell others that we have been affected by these cases. It's also really important to realize that we're not a bad clinician because this happens to us. We're not a bad nurse, we're not a bad paramedic. We're not a bad doctor, or we're not a bad student. If these things happen to us, we're human. And we're allowed to feel these emotions. So Geraldine, thank you for coming to talk to us. Um, I do appreciate um, your side of the story, and I know you had a huge part to play in Pat walking out of the hospital. Um, what do you remember of that day, if you don't mind me asking you?
2: Um. It was a normal Sunday for us. We were actually, the kids and I were on our way to Nippets when I got the phone call. Um, and when I got the phone call, it was from a friend who, who was riding with Pat and said, Pat has been in an accident. Um, and she said, I don't know what the injuries are, but it looks as though he's broken his arm. And I thought to myself, immediately I thought my, uh, to myself, okay, he's got so many weeks to the tour to cure. Mm. Do you reckon he can cycle with that? And she said, can you make it to the hospital? And I said sure she said i think it's pretty serious and as soon as she said that i went oh okay and i cried Mm. and as soon as i cried both the children lost it in the car Mm. and i knew from that point that as much as i felt like that that wasn't an opportunity that wasn't an option for me i couldn't be like that they needed me just to be stable so now they were unsure about what was happening Mm. um so we made the trip to the hospital it was a little bit um (laughs) We arrived at ER and no one really knew what was happening. So we're a little bit in limbo. There was a guy out in an ambulance who said, are you waiting for something? And I told him what was and he, I don't know whether he radiated through or something. And then um, I was told to go home mm. and pack a bag. But they were thinking of bringing him down to the hospital, but yep. that wasn't happening. Then they were thinking about they were calling in a helicopter. So I knew at this stage that it was more than just a broken arm. Yeah. Um, So I came home. My mum had met me and took one child home, and I came home with my boy Nick. Um, we arrived home first. Nicholas, this is true to children. He was walking around in circles, couldn't pack a bag. Where yeah. Kira had in her trip from Nara to her home had organised what was going to have happen with the chickens, <laughs> the dog, the rabbits, and yeah. the cat. Yeah, with her nan. So yeah, she was all she, over it. She was all over that. Um, Girls. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah that girls and organisations <laughs> they're good um, so and I really didn't know it was an unusual concept pack a bag I thought to myself what am I packing yeah, for I being? didn't really know what I was packing for mm. and I remember the ambulance whoever was on the scene I had conversations with men and I know it was a male on the scene and they, I said do I need to come to Sydney? And they said, yes. I said, do I bring the children? He said, yes, I think that's a really good idea, Geraldine. And they told me that he'd had a punctured lung and that's all they could tell me really at that point. Mm. So I thought to myself, well, well, that wasn't too life-threatening, I didn't think. But I was a little bit shaky. I could feel my um, heart rate rise when I was talking to them because they were giving me so much information, yet I felt like I wasn't able to retain it. I had my mum with me, so I put... It on speaker so mum could hear. Mm. Um, mum is a nurse in yep. her younger days, so she had a general idea. And so we just went about packing the bags and then set off up to Sydney. Up to St. George, yep. Up to St. George. It was, it, like it was traffic, so we were held up. Mm. Um, the kids were really good. Kira said, can I make phone calls? Yeah, Um. Nicole. Dwight, Do you want me to ring anyone? And Nicholas just sat in the front and held my hand and sung. Yeah. guy sebastian songs which is about the <laughs> <laughs> extent of him um mm. and but before i'd arrived at the hospital my brother and their families were there and they all, i had two phone calls thinking to, asking how far away i was and yep. thinking i'm nearly there i'm nearly there yeah um so that made me think mm, it must be worse than what i think yeah and when i arrived there and i couldn't find the unit and couldn't find emergency and trying to park the car was all A little bit of a shambles, but then when I walked in and saw so many of my family members there, and it was a little bit overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then to be taken directly upstairs into a room Mm -hmm. where family members were, and a doctor had come in, and that's when they started mentioning, you know, words, and I can't remember specifically, but words like spinal cord, um, broken back, Mm. um, and, you know, internal bleeding. Yep. And that was when things started to go off. So the kids and I then, they prepared the kids and I to go in and see him. Okay. Um,
0: it's a lot to take in. It
2: is. It mm. is. I don't even know what time it was. It was probably about one or two o'clock. Mm. And I had spent the whole night. I didn't sleep. And mm. my brother was with me. And we are just in the room, right a family room near the ICU unit. Mm-hmm. And I was still awake. He'd been out the first operation and Dr. Schulzman had walked in and I had visualised what I wanted. This Visualised? Well, I tried to visualise but the visualisation wasn't happening for me mm. because I was just closing my eyes and trying so hard. So I thought to myself, okay, what do I want to hear when he walks in the room? Okay. And I kept on saying to myself over and over again, the operation went really well. The operation went really well. And I must have repeated that to myself in my brain, I reckon, for about two of the four and a half, five hours that he was under.
0: Yeah.
2: And... Dr. Shulson walked in and he said, well, Geraldine, the operation went really well. Wow. And I just went... And, it, and he had this persona on him, Dr. Shulson, yeah. as soon as... In fact, the first time I met him was before he went in. Yeah. And the first thing I looked at were his hands. And I know that's well, just what I did. And I thought to myself, Pat's going to be okay. Because yeah. I just looked at these hands, which were strong, mm-hmm. calm. He was really articulate in his... The way he spoke to me, yeah. he would... Break things down in a way that I could understand. I'm not a doctor. No. I have no medical background, so yeah. it's really hard from a carer's point of view. If you're given all this information, mm-hmm. which was possibly what the young doctor did, he's or whoever she was, um, and confused me. Yet he yeah. actually drew pictures, well. t- spoke me through things. I could write things down, and once I knew that information, I felt far more comfortable. Mm. Um, so after he had been in, I thought to myself, I've got to go to a gym, I've got to go to a gym, I've got to go to a gym. And I literally ran down the highway, yeah. banging on all these doors. course, they're all 24-hour gyms, yeah, so yeah. there's no one there to open up. And I found this little one a bit further down, and I must have looked a mess. Like, I must have looked like a mental case. Yeah. I just need to use your gym. And he said, okay. so it's all right, I'm a personal trainer, I know what I'm doing. And he said, okay, just help yourself. So I went in and helped myself, and I... You yeah. know, did what I needed to do mentally, which was flog myself. Yeah. The last thing I did was get on the stationary bike. Yeah. And never have I pedaled so fast in my life with so much resistance. I just, yeah. I was adamant to get rid of whatever I was penting up. Yeah. And this poor bloke who owned the gym came up to me afterwards and said, Do you want me to get you a protein shake? <laughs> <laughs> and he was so beautiful. And I, it was just what I needed. And mm. I knew then, I knew then after I, how I felt after that. That actually cleared my mind. That that was all I could do for myself. Yeah. That was the one thing I could gift back to myself in mm-hmm. this time was to be true to myself in terms of keeping active. Yeah. Um. And it was funny because I watched those first twelve hours with people coming in and you know family members wanting to bring food and that, but I wanted none of that because I knew that was another thing. The only other thing I could control was yeah. feeding myself well.
0: Yeah. But I think so that's that was powerful. Really important.
2: That was really important for me mm. because everything else in my life at that point was out of control. Yep. So I went, okay, we'll just take what you can control.
0: Yeah, I can exercise and I can eat well yep. and I can mentally come in with an attitude that Yeah, And I knew through. I was going
2: to be sleep deprived and I knew I was going to have to make decisions that mm. I would never have to before make in my life. Yep. And I knew for me to do those and to make those decisions that were going to be, you know, to Pat's benefit and you know, to our benefit, that I had to be on the ball. I had to be the best I could be, regardless of what was the turmoil that was happening around Mm.
0: me. Mm. And you are, I think even, yeah, I can tell you, you know, you just, you know, you think, oh, the easy option, because the easy option means I don't have to think about it. But no, you're purposely thinking about what to do, because that made you think better when you were there.
2: Yeah, and I was really adamant, um... In that moment when I arrived mm. in ICU and I'd seen him for the first time and then I went back to that little room and the nurse that came in um, had then explained to me his spinal injuries and things like that. And yep. that was when the word spinal cord and that brought up, I was just taking my, I could just feel my heart rate
0: yep.
2: rise and things like that. And I can remember sitting there and watching both my children cry mm. and I know my uh, my sister in law looked after one, and I had he, she looked after Kira, and I had Nicholas beside me, so I had him on my lap. Mm. Um, and I can remember seeing Pat's mum sob and say, "I can't lose another child. Or I can't lose another child." Mm. And I just thought, "No, nah, I'm not having people talk like this." Yeah. So it was then that I made that decision. If when you go and see him, unless you've got a positive attitude or you've got positive things positive to stay. Yeah. I don't mm. want you going in there. Yeah. I just want you to feel his brain and his thought. Everything I want him to hear mm. is how you are so strong. You know, you can do this. Mm. you got so much to look forward to. All that energy. I just needed to be positive around him. So yeah. it was where the notion of, unless you
0: got your positive pants on, no. don't come in. I've got my positive socks on. I've got pink ones on for you Yay. actually today. <laughs> and that, that's what I feel like because you had that positive pants on. It was something that was said. Yep. I, mean, I got goosebumps when I hear you say that because it's... It was a that aura was not only around Pat, but you could feel it when you walked into the room. Yeah, you'd walk into the unit, and people knew that I'm gonna, you know, you're gonna, t- I'm gonna make sure this is happening. Don't mess with her. Don't mess with that. me. <laughs> but, but but I like that because I think, you know, when you know, and I don't know. Sometimes we neglect ourselves because we're trying to help other people, and sometimes if we're not in the right headspace, we're worse off.
2: Well, but, and that's why I I was so determined to keep my training up mm. and keep eating well because if I wasn't on top of the ball game, everyone else yep. wasn't going to be and I needed to be that, I need to be that strong figure for no one else but for my kids and for Pat.
0: Wow. Mm.
2: Yeah, I knew that was what, all that was required of me regardless of anything else.
0: Yeah. And no one puts that in their plan. Like, no one puts in their plan in their life plan. Oh, I'm just going to have my husband get hit um, off a bike and yep. I'm just going to be told that he's got a spinal injury. Um, we've all got kids um erwin myself and you guys and, and that feeling of having your kids i've never had that at mm-hmm. all but i you know it makes me tear up thinking um what you went through um yeah tough
2: and in fact i can going back to workouts i can remember we were moved out of the um family room in icu i think about the second or third day and i went back to my sister's place and i got up one morning i thought i'll oh, had kettlebells in the back of the car. <laughs> As you do. As you do, Being a
3: personal trainer.
0: Um, and, Who doesn't? And
2: I got him out and I put him on my sister's back deck and I thought, I'll just, I'll just train here. Mm. And I got really, really emotional because it was at that point I thought, I don't know whether Pat's ever going to be able to do this. How can I be doing this? And I tried to justify how I could be doing what I was doing okay. when he was laying on his back on a life support unit. Yep. How can I do that? But then I had to quickly change that. I could see where I was going with that. I cried. I bawled. My yep. sister came out and made sure I was okay. Yep. And you know, I said, I am. I just can't believe I'm doing this. And Pat's where he is, that whole analogy of where I am and where he was. Mm. Um, but I went, but I need to do what I need to do to ensure that I can get him to back where... What did
0: you say internally to yourself? Do you think? Like, did you... Was there anything you specifically said? Like, no. Like, did you verbally say it out loud to yourself? Or was it a point that you said, I'm not going to, like, have that negative Um, thought?
2: That feeling of overwhelmed and feeling the weight come off me happened a couple of times Mm. throughout his um, recovery. And I just allowed it to happen.
0: Yeah, okay.
2: I didn't fight it. I allowed it to happen. I felt it. Yeah. I acknowledged it and I went, all right, let's get and get this done. Mm.
0: Then she had a coffee. <laughs> had a coffee. Protein <laughs> ball and yeah. then... When that went, mm.
2: there was, yeah, it was always coffee.
0: Yeah. I'll <laughs> and it. a crock and a cronut. Yeah, I'll join, I'll join you on that one. Eh? <laughs> Love the coffee. And uh, um, did you know that Erwin had treated Pat at the scene?
2: Mm, I don't know. I did, I did eventually, obviously, but mm. I don't know yeah. whether I knew it.
1: I don't think at that time no, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been common knowledge. I think at that time, yeah, yeah. but funnily enough, Geraldine was definitely in the back of my mind yeah. while I was looking after Pat. Was mm. and said even that the helicopter not going to the hospital and being redirected to the scene, and and he's me going, but 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 Geraldine's going to be at the hospital. Yeah. Like Pat can't go somewhere else. Geraldine's going to be at the hospital. <laughs> yeah. You know, like and, and how am I going to obviously. I was very scared there for a while that he wasn't going to survive and thinking to myself, how am I going to tell, how am I going to look Geraldine in the eye and tell her this is what's happened. And, mm. and as you said, Geraldine's the most positive, motivated person. So I wasn't sure whether I was, I was terrified of telling her of Pat or whether I was scared for my own well being. <laughs> 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 I was definitely scared for Pat if he survived what was yeah. coming for the rehab because, Mate. yeah, there is, you know, um, but yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was one of those things. I think sometimes as frontline <laughs> clin- clinicians, we we don't we tend to deliver patients to an emergency department almost and forget about them after that point. You know, mm. we move on to the next case, but you know, we we forget the power that loved ones play in a recovery. You know, this this man was broken mm. <laughs> in every way, shape, and form, and. I think there were probably doctors that suspected he wouldn't recover and there were definitely paramedics at the time that suspected he wouldn't recover or how would he recover and yet there's this one person with not a clinical bone in her body that understood that he like she was adamant he would recover and there was no he didn't have a say in it he was yeah. going to recover whether he liked it or not and and I think it, it's funny having spoken to Pat and Geraldine at length in the past about this I it almost makes me feel guilty because here I was dealing with Pat for such a short window and I couldn't get my act together I felt like I couldn't 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 spell my name and here's Geraldine with this long prolonged recovery and all the family Mm. members and their emotional attachment plus the kids and organized and just kept herself on track amazingly well Mm. you know and um and it, it I often joke with Pat that you know he's He's batting well outside of his league with Geraldine, oh. so but, I'll agree with that. No, 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 no. cut but, that bit out. <laughs> well, edit, edit, edit. No, I'm at, the, at the end of the day, you know, like um, Geraldine was the motivating force, but Pat still had to put the work in. Yeah, hundred the percent. They're they're a pigeon pair. You know, yep. there's no such thing as failure in this household. Really, it's nah. it's a mindset, and um, you can feel it mm. absolutely. And and obviously, you the impact it left with you. Yeah, treating Pat as well. You know, it's. It's and to me, you know what I'm lucky spoken world because I get a walking reminder, and every Valentine's Day I get this walking reminder of the fact that we do have a positive impact sometimes, and yep. and we really we can get caught in a rut where we feel like we're not contributing much and mm. we haven't had a real sick person in a while, but but when you run into these people and and especially when they're friends, you see them fairly often. It's a reminder that hey, for this family, you really did make a difference, and yeah, absolutely, yeah, and that's. In a way, sometimes when that's this, that's why this case gets discussed so often. When we do find ourselves in a rut, we just reflect back on these and say, "Hey, look, you know, that bloke that just rode one hundred and fifty k's on the weekend was, you know, technically not supposed to survive, let alone ride his bike again." So, um, yeah, I think we 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 need to focus more on the fact that you know the loved ones and the people that we tend to have just hanging around in a lounge room while you treat dad or, or nana or something like that. You know, they're, they're the people really that are gonna play a big role in this person's recovery despite what we do as,
0: as clinicians. We go through these scans, I went through your scans two nights ago and um, I stayed back for three hours looking at these images and I still, and um, I saw some photos that Geraldine posted as well, uh, and still, uh, I think it blows my mind because normally when I see these injuries, I think of 15 different patients, not one patient to be honest with you. Um, And doing multi-trauma stuff, I I have seen these sort of things, but normally I see this and then I do see a death certificate, to be really honest with you guys. Um, And there was rib fractures from 3 to 11, and those rib fractures were fractured in multiple different places, in multiple different areas. You had a flail chest, which basically means the ribs are fractured and moving separately. Um, You had sternal fractures and a sternal hematoma, um, and that obviously means a really high-velocity injury. Um, You had a T8 and T7 fracture, um, and we're worried about the burst fracture of that. You had an L1 fracture. A transverse process fracture of C7, you had a splenic contusion, you had a humeral fracture, you had bilateral pulmonary contusions of the lungs, uh, a distal radius fracture on your right as well. And obviously, we were worried about cord involvement and you were taken to the, get an MRI. Um, and they were really worried that you would never um, walk again, um, or we thought you wouldn't leave, to be honest with you. Mm. Getting multiple blood products, you were um, <coughs> two chest strains were put on scene, um, obviously, a collar was put on, spinal precautions, you had IOs in. In your arms to give um blood products Uh, and in through the scan i I remember looking at the blood um your blood pressure was 50 on 40 from looking at the notes um and yeah even jess who'd done a lot of time in trauma said oh he wasn't coming out of the scanner i was dead set certainly wasn't coming out of the ct scanner yeah Uh, to come on the next day and then to log roll you in icu i was blown away but obviously working in health um i i have my hopes up i'm a really positive person um but I also am a realist as well and I have been to that Kate those um cases and the next day it's it's been it's gone downhill. And it's been, you know, post op infections, um blood pressure being on um, medications to keep your blood pressure up, adrenaline, those sort of things. Uh, and then having spinal surgery, you know, especially after your heart's been through so much they are worried about, you know, um you know, fluid around the heart as well and putting your heart under strain while you're getting laying on your tummy for spinal surgery. Yeah, and
2: that's nice how that's how it was explained to me. Yeah. They said, we need to operate. If we open it up with his laying down, which is what we need to do, could place pressure on the heart and his heart could fail, which means we'll have to flip him over yep. to restate his heart, but that means we could have more spinal damage. And I thought, I can remember sitting there so clearly bent. I can remember my hands on my forehead. I can remember the design in the carpet that I was looking at yeah. and thinking, what options do I have? Like, you've given mm. me... <laughs> No. This option and yeah. that option and neither options look. And I you remember just saying, do it. Just do it. Yeah. Go in there and do it.
3: And, and my heart did stop. Okay. I did see that. It did. And they had to roll me. They
0: did. And they had to get okay. me going. Did not know that. Yeah.
2: Funny you should say that. The next day, so the Monday morning, when my sister brought my kids in. And I took both of them in, just me and the two kids. So we had to get um, fropped up in whatever, mm. you know, everything we needed to get into ICU. I held their hands and we went over to see Pat. They'd only seen him once when he was down in um, emergency. And I took them in and I stood Kira on one side and I took Nick around the other and Nick was holding his hand. And then I said, say something to Dad, guys. I said, tell him how great he's doing. And Nick's there going, you're doing really well, Dad. And then I looked up at Kira and she fainted. Mm. She just lost consciousness and the noise of her head hitting that ground yeah. was astounding and before I knew it there were like <laughs> five nurses doctors just rushed to her straight away mm. and um, she was blanked out and then she came to after a few seconds of course she sees all these faces and gets completely frightened mm. and they said to me we'll have to take her down to a, um, emergency. an emergency didn't and I went you're kidding aren't you <laughs> <laughs> they said no I went Okay, like we hadn't even been there twenty four hours, and they put her in the wheelchair and we started going. And she said, "Mum, where are they taking me? Where are they taking me?" Mum, where are they taking me? I said, "It's all right, darling. We're just going to go down." And then she had a seizure, and of course the wheelchair went from a easy pace to we need to get this child down. Yeah. And I went, "Oh my God!" And I'm just watching it. I'm watching. I'm feeling the air go through
0: Mm. as
2: we're getting into the lift and going down really quickly. And then she, thankfully, only had a seizure for about 10 seconds An and then okay. woke up and there was no stopping her. She was just yeah. on for a chat. Ch- what happened? What happened? And so then I spent the next two hours down with her. Yeah, emergency
3: and don't, wasn't worry, don't worry about me. I'm asleep. Yeah, poor buddy. looking
2: <laughs> so at the um, machinery when he was in ICU and it's showing me how many calories he'd burnt. And of course, that's you know, yeah. data that I love. Yeah. they there thinking, bloody hell, he's burning 2,700 calories. Mm. He's there. That's how hard... His body is working to survive. That's yeah. how hardy is. And I can remember, it must have been a nutritionist or dietitian, came and saw me when we were in the room and said, "Do you know what Pat's diet was like?" And I went, "Yep, I can tell exactly what it's like." And I could rattle off everything he was eating, yeah. what he was eating, what he'd have for breakfast, morning tea, everything. And she, I can remember, she sat there and she said, "You sure about that?" And I said, "Yep, yeah, <laughs> sure about that." Yeah. So they knew mm. from that point of view what form of I yeah. guess liquid nutrition yeah. they needed to be giving him, but I can remember sitting there and thinking, I can't believe how hard his body is working. Like, and I know that from you yeah. know my work, what your body needs to survive. But yep. just to see it was just like mind blowing. Yeah,
0: you think his guy's laying still. How can he possibly be chewing yeah. up this much energy?
2: Yeah. Yep. I had this fire in my belly. Um, in fact, I just read back through the journal entry for that first day, and I end that first day, which is the fourteenth. This is
0: a diary from when you were there. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I written, don't know. Written six years ago. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Wow.
2: Yep. Because I wanted to track stuff. I wanted. I wanted. I was. I wanted Pat to know every emotion I felt because he wasn't there to feel it. Mm, yep. And there's stuff in there where I go through a stage where I'm so frigging angry and cranky at him. I remember we stopped at McDonald's on the way up. Um, when we got the phone call from here to Sydney, yep. and for me to stop at McDonald's, my <laughs> kids were dumbfounded like they're <laughs> Mum, are you sure we can get this? Are you sure we can <laughs> get this? Babe, just get what you like. Just get what you like. Are you sure, Mum? Just order what you like, darling. I think to myself, you're never going to get this opportunity. Just order it. And I went, I went to I went to pay for it, and my card was declined. Oh, wow. And I stood there, and it was just... How can mm. this be? And I, at that point, I got so cranky at Pat. How can I be that I don't have any money on my car? Mm. Anyway, that was part... And it was, those, you know, acknowledging those emotions. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, making sure he was aware of that. Yeah, He yeah, realised yeah. that
1: was probably because he'd already bought his next Cervelo even though he was in the hospital. <laughs> That's Because right. his other one was... Right, You know, so how many bikes do you need? need correct. Uh, so you so you got, <laughs> when you got declined at Mackers, it's because you've right. already maxed the credit card. It was
2: probably I got declined at Mackers because I was actually at Mackers.
3: <laughs> they More saw you and thought this girl doesn't come here. they can't give it to <laughs> us. Much to the, the point.
2: Anyway, the last words <laughs> I wrote on that day was: i um I'm Trying to find it now. Sorry. Found the bit where we walked into ICU for Pat for the first time, and I've written. Mm. written Oh my love, oh my love, breathe, to see you there so frail, so bruised, so stiff and lifeless. Our babes cried for you, Nick held your hand, Mm -hmm. kissed you and told you that he loved you. Kira cried and cried, stated he he doesn't look alive, mummy. Breathe, I desperately want you to open your eyes, tell you that you'll get through that. We are all here. I could hear your lungs struggling. I could see the blood drained from your body into a ca- catcher at the bottom. Sorry, catcher's not the right word. That's I alright. Mean. Good enough. <laughs> it is a catcher. It's a yeah. Bucket. Yeah, But it's at the end of the at the end of that empty. first day, my lines were, "Please, please stay strong, my love. Yeah. Let the road rise before us."
0: Ooh. Yeah.
2: And that's you know that's yep. what we did. We just let the rose the road rise before us, and we just climbed whatever was put before us.
0: Yeah. You came down the hill, and then you climbed back up that hill. Yeah. Um, let's start from the day do you want to run us through if you sure. can remember from what happened from um, the fore- and it was on Valentine's Day
3: yeah it was uh, 2016 Valentine's Day uh, I was in the middle of uh, a pretty heavy training regime uh, I ride for Tour de Cure which is a cancer foundation and I was in the middle of my training for a uh, what's called a signature tour ride which was a, a 10 on 11 day event um, sort of around 900 to 1000 Kilometers of riding over that period of time, uh, that was to be held in the April, um, so I was sort of in the middle of my training peak um, for that. Um, on the morning of the of the accident, um, I woke as I would normally do on a Saturday morning. Um, funnily enough, I, I jumped on the scales, which I used to use as a, as a bit of a guide for rehydration yep. when I'd get home from a ride. Uh, the plan that day was to ride about 250 k's in Whoa. total. Okay. Um, Leaving our home here on the south coast and and riding up through uh, Berry and and through sort of the back of Kangaroo Valley doing some some pretty heavy hill work. Uh, the plan was then to um, to head out to Um uh, uh, Sorry, it was a Sunday, not a Saturday. Uh, as the kids were in nippers, yeah, was a, a chance to head out there and and catch up with the kids while they did their nippers from nine o'clock, and have a bit of a break and then ride home from there. So. The 250 k's was um, you know, not all done in one hit. It mm. was it was broken up over a couple of different stages, uh, and the, the morning was going quite well. We picked up a couple of fellow riders uh, as we went through Nowra, um, headed up to, to Berry through a back road, uh, then started climbing up uh, Berry Mountain, which is the road that goes from Berry up to the top of um, Campbellborough Mountain. Mm. Uh, we stopped at the lookout at the top of Campy. Refilled the, the water bottles and took a couple of selfies. <laughs> the view was pretty good that morning, and yeah. it's spectacular up there. It Looks down over the South Coast and over Nara. Mm-hmm. Um, we then started our descent from the top of Campbell Warren Mountain, heading down the south side uh, on Mossvale Road. And it's a um, it's a beautiful, um, hot hot mix road. It's it's windy. It's uh, a little bit challenging in in spots, but it's a beautiful descent, and you and you can pick up some pretty hefty speed as you get down there Um, the time of the day was quite early it was only um, just after eight o'clock maybe quarter past eight in the morning so no traffic around it was really quiet Um, there were four of us on the four riders on that day I was uh, second one down the hill Um, it was about the second last bend before the bottom Um, left hand tight left hand bend and that's about all I remember from the ride from then it was um, uh, a different sort of world from there um, the fellow, the riders I was with, one of the guys um, says he heard a bit of a screech of brakes um, and he waited for me to come around that last bend, which I never did. So he had to turn around and come back up the mountain, um, which then he found me sort of laying on the road. Um, the two riders that were behind me were also on the scene by then. Uh, and I, I believe from what I've been told, the call had already been put into Triple O to, um, to get assistance. Um, as I was in a pretty bad way. Yeah. Um from then, uh yeah, I don't remember anything of the ride. Um the the point of the accident, I actually thought was a lot further up the mountain when than it actually was. Okay, so yeah. I, I don't remember. Don't remember anything. Yeah. From um from probably 500 to a, a kilometer prior to yeah. where the point of accident was. Yeah. Um next thing I remember is probably 13 14 days later, when I woke up in ICU. Okay. Yeah. In a whole new world. Yeah, yeah, crazy. And that was the first operation. I'm not sure how many hours, five or six About hours. Five.
0: Yeah. Of many operations, by that looking was, at your that reports. That was the first,
3: That was the thoracic. Yep. Operation where they put in two rods to yep. stabilise the the damage to the to the spine. Um, and then it was another it was in within 12 hours after that that I was back in again. Okay. For an operation on the lumbar. Yep. With a, an additional two more rods in there
0: and they got your wrist looked at your, your arm
3: looked at well the wrist well the arm the arm was broken that yep. was that was quite badly broken but arm um, was the stories i've been told was that that my spine and, and my other health was far more important than just an arm a broken arm um, and through the process of a number of days that they thought well he's he's going to survive and he may need his arm to push his wheelchair around yeah so we better look at fixing his arm up yeah um, but I don't think the arms operated on until um, day. Oh,
0: like day nine or ten. Yeah. Okay. After. Yeah. Heaps, heaps longer. Yeah. It was heaps longer. Heaps longer after after. I'm not sure. Yeah. I remember rolling you in a slab from memory, and that yeah. that it was a bit. Um, you could not be. Rude, you could give way a bit with that arm. Would would not float, but if you know what I mean, <laughs> it wasn't sitting there nice and pretty. Yeah. 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 And I remember that quite well. So yeah, the
3: priority was the, the spine. Okay. Um, and the and well, the ribs heal themselves yep. over time, but. Uh, the spinal cord was was the main concern. Yeah,
0: and when people say rib fractures, um, that, that not being rude, but like for anyone that likes imaging, it's very impressive. Um, and you know, when you did something well, you did it very well. Yeah, there's a there's a three D image of a scan. I'm not sure what it's called, Ben. Yeah, know like what it, it's called it was a CT C- re-computed around so you yeah. Can see Yeah.
3: And and it shows the, the damage and the twist in the spine, but it also shows these multiple broken twigs of ribs. Yeah. In the same picture. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's quite amazing. You
0: wake, you, you're in the intensive care, or when you wake up, sorry, you come to, how did, how did that work for you? You come to, you're, you're awake. Where, where are you at the time you're on a ward, I imagine? Are you back on a ward when you, when you basically, the no, first recollection you have? Or are you in ICU? I was in ICU. you
3: yep. I don't know what day it was. It's yep. all still really blurry. Yep. Um, I was in and out of consciousness. Yep. Um, after a number of days. Um, don't really remember I don't remember too many conversations I remember seeing faces Yeah. I I suppose because of the the heavy sedation that I was under I never really never really gelled or never really put the pieces together of of where I was or why I was there Mm. or what had really happened to me Um, as I said earlier I I don't remember anything of the accident so to wake up and find myself in in this predicament in hospital with multiple tubes. I couldn't talk because I, yep. I was intubated. Yep. Um I think it was more the touch and the and the feel and the look of someone. Yeah. Um we had a bit of a system going where I'd blink my eyes multiple yep. times for yes and no's. Yeah. To have some sort of conversation going, um, because I couldn't talk. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, those first certainly don't remember anything for I'm I'm thinking maybe day seven or eight when I sort of started coming out of the out of the coma. Yeah. Um and then having finally having the, the tube taken out. Um obviously, you know, a whole new world you can then speak yeah. and you can start eating a little bit of food and Tell that nurse offered, you know. Yeah <laughs> doing the own thing. <laughs> Telling Ben where to go. <laughs> <Not problems>. sure. <laughs> um but yeah, yeah, it's all um it's all still I, I can't piece the days together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there was there were goals that were set very early. Yep. Um, obviously, the way the hospital system works, they they want to see you getting out of yeah. out of bed and getting out of the ICU, not because they need to bed for someone else, but they need you to to progress and move forward. Mm. Um, and there was a the goal that was set, the one of the early goals was that if I needed to move out of ICU, I had to stand. Yeah. Okay. I had to be able to take my own weight. Yep. On my legs. This was obviously after the we'd realised that. That there was no um, great spinal cord injuries. Yeah. yes, I could still move my legs. Um, I still had movement and feel and touch um, of my legs. But to get out of ICU, I had to stand. Mm. And I, I can remember the the whole team of nurses and doctors coming around and telling me this, and and I can remember saying, "Well, let's do it now. Let's let's give it a go." And they were all very he- hesitant, and I was still hooked up to multiple different cords and stuff, and um, they said, well, we need, it's a process, we need to do it slowly, and, and the first thing we need to do is, is to get you sort of sitting upright, upright. So I can remember them sitting me up to, to close to 90 degrees, and and the whole room started spinning, Yeah. and and that was, you know, I sort of rolled back, my eyes must have rolled back in my head, and they said, no, nah, you're not ready for it, mm-hmm. yeah. um, that's not happening. Yeah. So that was sort of the end of that discussion for a period of time, and then I think it was the following day um, that they posed that same... Question for me again. Mm. and I said, "Well, let's do it. Let's try it now." So I got I got sitting upright, and I got my feet to the ground, mm. and then it all went blurry again. And um, they said, "Oh, you know, we'll believe it till tomorrow again." I said, "No, come back this afternoon. I'll stand this afternoon," mm. which I did. We came back that afternoon. I don't know what time it was. It was oh, sorry, it was it was late because I remember um, it must have been. You know, five six o'clock in the afternoon, and I stood. And I and they and whoever was with me let me go, and I stood for felt like eternity, but it must have only been for five seconds, yeah, yeah, straight back on the bed. And they said, Okay, you've done it, we'll we'll take you out of move you out of ICU. And it was that evening that they took me up to to um up to south, is it? Yeah, I think three south, yeah, three south. Um, and I don't remember anything much after that. I'm mm. pretty exhausted after yeah, standing, yeah, 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 not being on the feet for. 14 odd days or
0: something um, and finally being wheeled out of that ICU mm. you can remember that moment obviously quite quite vividly having that it was. do you think that was a turning point for you that standing up like you know you could have easily said oh mate I've tried give me a break dude like I've just been hammered I just tried to stand up yesterday yeah. can, you, can you guys wait another day like what was it in you then saying I'm going to stand up yeah I, I don't think it took me a
3: long time to realise and, and even today I probably don't realise a hundred percent exactly what my body has gone through, what I've been mm. through, yep. what the circumstances were, what the all the injuries, what they all meant. Um so I I I really thought I'd you know I'd be up in the ward and I'd I'd go home in a few weeks. Yeah. I'd go home in a few days, whatever the case may be. Yep. I think I just had that that mindset that that Geraldine had planted in me <laughs> through um her positivity. Um I've never really been anyone that sort of sat still for too long anyway no no in anything i did in life i was you know always always busy always doing something um so i think that getting moved moving forward and, and just you know trying to get on with what i needed to do was was forefront in my mind yeah um and i knew i had a, a great team around me Yeah. doctors nurses um moving up to to the next ward was you know a whole new thing another step forward yeah. as much as we I didn't have control of what was happening. Yeah. I had control of what was happening. Does mm. that make sense? Yep. Being up in the ward and having that every every day. No. Um, the physio would come around and we they'd do different things, whether it was breathing exercises because of my broken ribs, blowing the little, yeah. little plastic machine, <laughs> and lift up those balls. <laughs> How bloody painful is that <laughs> when, <laughs> when you've got no air in your lungs and <laughs> you can't do it? Um, although you can sneeze and cough and it's okay, but you can't blow these bloody balls up in your machine. Yeah, so, yeah. And then getting out of bed and, and, and being able to stand and then they then put you in the chair to give, you, to give your body a bit of rest from being lying down mm. so you don't get any bed sores and things. So going from, from lying down in bed to then sitting up in a chair and then that allows you then to, to eat a meal yeah. sitting in a chair. Um, and your body goes through all sorts of different pains and movements to get to those spots. Uh, at this point, I probably had that chest yeah. brace on that TL
0: TLSO brace.
3: brace that we um, that we nicknamed um, Boris. 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 Boris, Boris Boris the Boris. brace, <laughs> <laughs> which I still have. You still got Boris. Yeah, I've still got Boris, and still yeah. got my neck my neck brace as well. Yeah, um, the neck brace came off after, after a couple of days being yep. up in the ward. Yeah, they'd, they'd done another an X ray or scan. I was having scans and X rays. Yeah, every day yep. for different things, um, because I, I think there was a at a time, I think they thought I'd done some damage to the C2 or C1. Yep. Um, they ruled that out pretty quickly, so the neck brace came off. Yeah. Um, but sitting in the chair and being able to feed yourself, and then um, the physios then wanted you to, to walk. Mm. And it was, let's just take two steps. And it was exhausting. It, was, it took every ounce of energy that I had to be able to get out of bed, to stand, take two steps towards the end of the bed, turn around, and come back, and... Basically, fall back into bed. That was all the energy I had. Yeah. But that was a goal. Two steps was a goal. Mm. The following day, three steps was the goal. Four, four steps, five steps. By about day five or six, I was walking to the door of the of my room, mm. which was probably doesn't sound like much. Might have yeah. been five meters. Um, and multiple visitors would be coming in at the time, and they'd all be posting on Facebook. That, Pat's walked yeah three or five steps. So he's walked six steps, and I, I started feeling in myself that you know I can I can do this. I can I can get out of here, um. And it was you know not long, probably, a week after being up on the ward that I was I was walking, um, used to push the frame mm. under my under my arms to help me stay upright. Yeah, um, it was then changed to a um. A walking stick mm-hmm. and I said I can remember saying to the physio I'm not using that no I'm not an old <laughs> I'm not in my 60s 70s 80s I'm not using a walking stick yeah if I'm going to walk I'm going to walk unaided and he'd hold my arm and he'd say right the, the aim today is to get to that handrail over yeah. there on the wall you're not walking unless you're holding on to something mm. and I think by I don't know how many days it was but um it didn't take me long before I was doing laps around the, the yeah. hallway and Given the nurses high
0: fives 100%. as I went past the,
3: the nurses' desk. Yeah.
0: Um, and I, I get this vision of, like, you know, when you run the sand dunes, I've run the sand dunes a lot when you're training. And if you look up the top of the sand dune and see how far it is, you go, oh, I can't, can't do, do it. it. But if you keep your head down and just do the next step, the next step, the next step, the next step, and then boom, boom, it is a long time, but before you know it, you're at the top. Yeah. And I remember seeing you and, and both of you setting goals for yourself um, individually, and that collectively, um, I look at and go, you know, you can have this goal that you think is unattainable, but if you have the smaller goals in between that no one sees, that to get you walking, it yeah. was the one step, it was the two step, it was the three step.
3: Yeah. I can remember being, when I first came up to the ward, I think I was in room one or two. Yeah. And room one or two was the closest room yeah. to the nurse's desk. And then every couple of days they'd move me yeah. because someone else would come in that was of a higher need of care than myself. And I had this plan in my mind that if I got to room... 9 or 10, which was right down the end of yeah. the corridor, the next move was out the door. Yeah. I was going. Yeah. Because they had no other room to move here. me to. Yeah. And it got to that point where I think yeah. I was in room 11. Yeah. Um, And the physios were walking me around. I was doing my laps around the, the ward. And they said, oh, we want to try you on some stairs. So they took me to the fire stairs. And yeah. I didn't walk one step. I, I did a whole flight. And yeah. And I turned around and came back down again. And it's just that confidence building and the strength was coming back. Yeah. Um, I was still pretty frail. Yeah. Um Part of my training regime when we look back on the day was uh, i said i weighed myself that was i can remember I weighed myself that morning and i was I was seventy eight point two kilos yeah um, they weighed me in hospital the day when I left, and i was sixty eight wow. kilos, so i 'd lost ten kilos and
0: a lot of it was muscle. It was right? all muscle. Yeah.
3: Oh yeah. It was. It was yeah, look, I'd say there's a bit fat there, but oh, most of my much. body was was pretty lean. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had strong cyclist legs. Yeah. Um, and I was walking out there with chicken legs. Yeah. And I was pretty thin. There was no certainly no muscle in the legs. Let it had all gone. Yep. Yeah. Um, but I knew it'd come back. Yep. Yeah. And I, and I'd been told that you know, muscle memory it'll it'll come back in time. Yeah. Definitely has. You're back. Has. Riding. You're back. Riding. Yeah. Well. We left sort of uh, we left St George Hospital. Yep. Um, and they moved me to um, Berry. Yep. Berry Hospital down on the South Coast as a, as a bit of a rehab, sort of a stop before I, I then came home. Um, I think I was the youngest person in Berry Hospital by mm. about forty years. Yeah. I didn't have diabetes. I still had all my legs. They were looking at your chart. going, yeah. Come on, mate. <laughs> I'd go to the physio room and the the young physiotherapist in there. He was he was giving himself high-fives that he had this young guy yeah, here he there that was keen, was keen to do some sweet. exercises. <laughs> I remember being wheeled down in a wheelchair because it was a fair walk to the physio room and we were doing some standing and sitting exercises and, and catching balls and getting coordination and stuff going. Um, and there were a, little, a couple of little steps that I'd go up and down. And I said, can, can I have a go on the stationary bike? And he goes, nah, I don't think you're up to that. And I said, yeah, I think I can have a go on it. So the first time I sat on the stationary bike was probably three weeks after the accident Wow! and um
2: it was four weeks after you, it would have been four weeks back. four weeks yeah.
3: yeah and i can remember looking at the dial and i zeroed it out and i thought i'll just see how many how far i can ride and i rode eight k's yeah wow now that's that's from where we live here on south coast it's an eight k ride to Huskisson, wow. where i'd go for a coffee yeah yeah, so yeah. I, I set myself a goal to ride eight k's i can get to the coffee shop yep yeah. so that was sort of the process i went through and and progressed quite quickly with my physio in hospital at, at Bury. And they really said, you know, there's there's not much more we can do for you here. Mm. Um, we'll arrange for you for some external physiotherapy um, and we'll get you to go home. So uh, I was home within, within four weeks wow. of the accident. Um, I remember coming home, it was St Patrick's Day, wasn't it? Mm. So that was, what's that, the 14th of March? 17th, 17th of March. So four weeks and one day yeah. after the accident, I came home. Yeah, um, to a whole new world. Yeah, it's no again. smooth sailing when you know it's not. No, no, all that twenty four hour care that I had from the day that Erwin picked me up off the mountain, mm. you know, that that constant care and 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 ICU and then ward and rehabilitation in the hospitals, all that stopped as soon as I got in the car and came home from from Berry Hospital. Came home to a. Um, to our beautiful home here, Yeah. Um, where Geraldine had kept normality yeah. within the house as as best she could, with yeah. the kids still going to school. Geraldine was was having to work more because yeah. she was our only breadwinner at the time. Yeah. Um, so that the whole uh, routine of a day as a family was was still under control, and, and credit to Geraldine for for doing all that. And sick. then I came home and. My care was gone. My yeah. twenty-four hour care was gone. Yeah, um, the care was there. The care was there with Geraldine, yeah. of course. Yeah, no it was it was denying. My shift. I yeah,
1: she just never stopped. It wasn't a shift yes. change over.
2: <laughs> no, I wasn't in me over. over. <laughs> did you not and get the nurses award, Did I?
3: No, um, but the yeah the the, the, re, the restarting, I suppose, of, of yeah, another yeah. part of the journey yep. commenced, um, and being left at home alone yeah. while Jordan was at work and, yeah. and the kids were at school.
0: Normality has to continue. Like, it does. Know, people have got to earn money. You've got That's, to right. Food on the That's table. right.
3: And it was important that the kids kept their routine yeah. in place. And she did that way back when I was in hospital yeah. still that was important for her to, to bring the kids home, to yeah. get the kids still going to school and mm, keep them yeah. in, in normal life. And, yeah. and she did who knows how many thousands of kilometres driving... Oh, two or three times a week from home up to St George um, yeah. to visit to care yeah and then turning around and, and coming home late at night and getting up at five o'clock in the morning oh, and somewhere in the middle of all that she was writing these facebook posts yeah and you read the times yeah. on some of them and they're, they're one am and yeah. two a.m in the morning when she's posted this report yeah um, and then she's up at five the next day to continue so when i came home it was what have we got in place for pat for rehab what yeah. are we going to do for so it was trips back to, to Shellhaven Hospital for for some rehab. I think um from my side of it, it there was a lot of um a lot of issues that I was dealing with as well, yep. mentally. Yeah. And and I won't I'll be the first one to say that yeah, you know, the black dog is there. Yeah. And and I experienced it mm. um on more than one occasion. Yeah. Um and there's probably times now even that I sort of reminisce or think about it and, and it conjures up not bad thoughts, but it conjures up Thoughts that you may have had, yeah, um, and that and the, the depression side of stuff is, is real, yeah. Especially when you go from being a fit, healthy, active you know, young guy mm. um, to being totally debilitated. Am I ever going to ride my bike again? Is my life ever going to be the same? What am I going to do for work? Yeah, I got pressures of a business on me that I, that I need to get back to work. Um, yeah, all these things. Just and, and when you sit at home. Alone, because Geraldine's at work and the kids are at school and there's no one to talk to yeah. except the dog, yeah. you know, these things all come up and they will, you start answering yourself with all the wrong responses and yeah. all the negativity comes out. Mm. And yeah, it leads to you being narky and snappy and, and angry at yourself mm. and at life. Um, but having the support and the positivity that, that Geraldine brought to the whole thing, there was that light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. And and we found support. We found help. I remember sitting in with a with a psychologist and having a chat to him and saying, um, you know, I, I want to. I, I still can't work out why this has happened to me. Mm. And why was I the one that got stuck under the car? Why did I have the accident? And he said, Have you been able to find an answer to that yet? And I said, No. Every time I ask myself the question why, there is no answer. I can't conjure up what an answer is. He said, Well, stop asking it. Pull there's no answer no mm. no
0: you know, no number
3: one response then stop asking it and I went I stopped in myself and I said yeah you're right you're right so then I sort of went around I couldn't find the answer why but then I wanted to find out what I'd been through yeah okay and that put me back in contact with Erwin yeah and having our coffees that we'd have yep and hearing his side of the story mm. and everything that he went through with with his emotions and his his role reversal with his partner on the day. I sort of got a better understanding of where I'd been and what I'd yeah. been through. Yeah. Cause having no memory and no no recollection of the whole incident, yeah. there's a lot of lot of blank spaces and a lot of you know blank cards there that I wanted to fill in. Yeah. I wanted to know what had happened to me. Why did I have these scars on the side of my chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. um, how much blood did I did I lose? Yeah. Why was there a helicopter? You know, all those sorts yeah. of questions have been answered. <clears throat> Mm. And and it fills in the pictures and it fills in the blanks and it and it helps you to deal with the issues that, that came up yep. at the time. And and when you know those answers and you know a little bit of the why, yep. even though you don't get the full answer, it helps you move forward. Yeah. And it helps you strive for those next goals. Mm. Yep. So, and we spoke earlier about the about community and, yeah. and the support we had from the community. I think yes, there was a there was a community support through triathlon and, and the bike shop and, and friends and that we had through that. Um, but we both come from quite large families. Yeah. I'm, I'm the youngest of six and Geraldine's the youngest of five Yeah, with you know fantastic brothers and sisters-in-laws and, and lots of kids in the family. And um, so our family network was very strong anyway. Mm. And one of the things Geraldine found, um, not hard, but she wanted to let everybody know what I was going through and give everyone an update yep. on a daily basis. And rather than have to make 15 or so phone calls, it was a lot easier for her to do her journaling via Facebook. Yep. So she'd sit down and she'd write an update on Pat yep. and post it on Facebook. Now a lot of people bag Facebook Yeah. yeah and, sure. it, and there is some bad things in there, but Facebook for us in this, in this circumstance was a life giver mm. for me. And for Geraldine yeah that she was able to write these amazing updates and stories um, of what I'd been through or what I was going through or, or you know the level of injuries I had and a good thing about Facebook these days is you get those reminders every day mm. of, of your history on your on your Facebook and and I still read them every year when they pop up mm. um, and then the number of comments you know, some of the some of her posts have got over two hundred yes. messages in response, and then there's fifteen or so people in that list that then go and share it yeah and then and then there's comments from their friends and family mm. um, so it's was, it was amazing through that connection of of technology and that we sort of take for granted these days of, of how uh, much support there was from the community. Um, without her even having to make a phone call you know a thousand people knew exactly what was going on.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: Geraldine and I had the had the pleasure of um presenting our story yep it was in the September after the accident um to the item
0: yeah which I hopefully can put in the show notes for people to get to yeah sure
3: sure and and it was a was a a training night Benny correct Mm. me if I'm wrong here It was a Mm. training night put on um at St George Hospital for um clinicians that were doctors nurses in in ED and ICU, yeah, and I said to the one of the first things I said to the audience um, of about 500 people, and it was live streamed as well, was uh, how do you think that that patient that the doctor was talking about? How do you think he went after his accident in the in the mm. with the um, helicopter flight and everything else? He was in a pretty bad way because they put all the 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 history and the stats up on the screen, and there was lots of shakes of heads and a lot of people saying oh, I don't think he made it and I said well I can tell you that he did because that was me
0: yeah
3: and um at, at the time that was pretty emotional mm. but um we spoke for uh, I think um I think our, our time frame was we give you half an hour mm. and I think we spoke for 45 to 50 minutes yeah. we just couldn't shorten our story down yeah can you sure. Geraldine spoke and, and gave her side of the story and I spoke and gave my recollections of what I knew at the time Um, and then we sort of after our 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 part of the the night it was intermission and it was coffee break and have something to eat Uh, the the number of, of people that came up and and said, I thought it was you, or I recognise your face, and I'm so glad to hear you're okay. I'm for coffee. Yeah, yeah, i yeah. oh, <laughs> you know, And we ride for a chat, yeah, and that's yeah, what it's yeah. all about.
0: I'm looking forward to when everyone's done his Man to go for a ride with you two yeah, boys yeah, and yeah. have it's coffee. Cool. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. the cards. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Right.
1: That was, for me, it's funny, you talk about the diary entries for Geraldine, the day that I saw Pat pop up on Strava. You know, that's the, yeah. you know the saying? If it ain't on Strava, it's, it not, it's not been done yet. Yeah, so <laughs> as soon as he pops up on Strava, you're like... We got our Superman
0: back. Like- Any advice on the EDGM should not be taken of your local medical practitioner. I want to say thanks to everyone who's following me on Instagram. You can follow me at ed underscore podcast um, where you can stay up to date with medical information um, and medical teaching. Um, thank you everyone who's following me. Um, keep sharing it with your friends, nurses, students, paramedics and doctors. Um, and yeah, thank you for everyone who does follow me. Um, I really appreciate it. Have a good day, legends. Bye.